0: Hello and welcome back to State of Mind podcast with me, Grace Kingswell. Today I'm diving into the topic of histamine with nutritional therapist Matt Jarrisey. You might have only heard of histamine in relation to antihistamines, typically taken for hay fever. But histamine is an important neurotransmitter and can play a part in pretty much any reaction in the body, from the obvious itchy, scratchy scenario to brain fog and fatigue and so much more we're going to break it all down for you today and i hope you find it really fascinating in the episode matt talks about a past client of his whose hay fever symptoms he managed to reduce by about 50 percent just with the inclusion of some kefir which brings me on to the sponsor of this episode key kefir Key kefir lived by the philosophy that food is medicine and so created the most authentic, traditional and above all most nutritious kefir available on the market today. The probiotic powerhouse that is kefir is not quite a staple in everyone's fridge just yet but two amazing producers from Sussex are trying to change that. Kefir is fermented milk that's naturally abundant in probiotic bacteria that supports and nourishes our microbiome. This in turn has a hugely positive knock-on effect for our systemic health. Key produces kefir with the finest milk made from cows feeding on organic and regenerative pastures only. To try Key Kefir's truly exceptional health drink, just go to the website and use the code SOM15, all in capitals, and get 15% off your first order and start your journey to optimal health and support a company with a relentless passion for people and planet. Also, FYI, key is spelt K-I. I know, doesn't sound like it, but that's what you want to type into Google. As ever, if you enjoy the episode, please do share it on your Insta stories and leave a review on the podcast app. Do go check out Matt's incredibly informative Instagram page as well at Matt Jarosy, spelt J-A-R-O-S-Y. Okay, on with the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Matt Jarracy. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Yeah, fine, thank you. Um, second podcast recording for me in my wardrobe. Um, might have to rename my podcast from State of Mind to Grace's Wardrobe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all good this end. I'm really excited to talk to you about histamine today. Um, before we get into that, why don't we intro the listeners um, and you can tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do and all of that good stuff.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I work as a nutritional therapist. Um, I've been studying nutrition and health now for, God, since university really. Uh, so probably for the best part of 10 years now. Um, originally I was uh, like very much involved in like public health nutrition. That was kind of where I originally started. Uh, and then I joined Health Creation, that was involved in like integrative health coaching and a bit of applied nutrition. Um, then I went into the School of Metropathy and to get a little bit more of a better understanding. And uh, yeah, now I'm just doing some more sort of specialist courses. Um, mm. I just find there's there's always there, there's just always more to learn in this space. Like every time you think you have it figured out, there'll be someone who will come along and just presents you sort of a new way of thinking about an idea. Um, uh, and yeah, and, um, of course we connected, uh, cause I was interested in, um, showing you some of the supplements that I've come out with. So I've yeah. very recently launched my own supplement line, which I've like wanted to do since I could remember. Um, I've only got two supplements out at the moment. Uh, I've got a magnesium and a vitamin C, which is going really well, had some really great feedback. And, um, yeah, that took a long time to get up and running. Um, and, yeah, if people want to check that out, it's just under the name Elevide. Um, and really, the, the, the um, company is just all about purity and sustainability. So they're all made with completely green energy and they come with absolutely no additives at all. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm super careful with that sort of thing. There's so many brands that people buy from places like Holland and Barrett. And they're literally just additives.
0: <laughs> yeah, and just full of bulking Yeah, and Yeah, it's
1: just bulking agent after bulking agent. And um, I think people get like very kind of swindled on it. So I just wanted to make a brand that provided... Well, really, it was more about just having it so people only get what they pay for. They don't get any mm-hmm. of this other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, nice. it's going really well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great. Well, I'll, I'll put all of that info in the show notes. Um, and when I... Uh, advertise the pod on social media so people will be able to find it. Um, So the topic of today's podcast, and I really feel like with you, Matt, we could literally discuss anything because you are so knowledgeable, but we're going to talk about histamine intolerance. Um, Now, I'm seeing more and more of this in my own clinic. And actually, it's something that I dealt with for over just over a year I think probably more actually maybe even a couple but like really badly for a year in my own health journey and it was an absolute nightmare to deal with in terms of you know how you manage it. Um, we'll talk a little bit about what histamine intolerance is in a second and kind of the signs and symptoms but to take things you know to to, to kind of you know start off really basic what is histamine because i think for the for the lovely people listening they probably know it only in the compounded antihistamine because that's what we buy in the pharmacy but can you tell the state of mind listeners what is histamine
1: yes i can and i know that i know that this year in particular has been a tough month for histamine sufferers um,
0: yeah, the hay fever has yeah. been, this year it's been so bad, I, know. I don't know why, I mean maybe it's got something to do with climate change, I guess.
1: Maybe, I mean we walk out the door and sadly Mother Nature's sperm hits us right in the face and our immune systems yep. don't like it, um, no. but anyway, yes, histamine, well histamine is really um, a chemical mediator um, that is involved, which, which plays a central part in our immune like response to to um, everything really but it's also it's more than that it's a locally acting hormone it is a um, neurotransmitter Um, so because of that it has a profound effect on all areas of the body Mm. and I think just for some sort of the um, analogy I sometimes give with um, things like hay fever is histamine is a bit like your guard dog Right, so what we want is the postman coming along and the dog to give our hand a little lick, which I'm sure your dog would do, be very pleasant, you know. Um, yeah, Roger's a so nice friendly. A nice fluffy dog to greet the postman and be like, just give me the parcel, it's all good. But sadly, a lot of us have somehow got chihuahuas as our guard dog. And something <laughs> comes along and the chihuahua goes nuts. And that's nothing and that is nothing against chihuahuas. I like chihuahuas, I think they're a lot of fun. But that is the analogy I like to give at the moment because um Really, it's our body just responding. Um, it's overkill for what's going on yeah. because um, yeah. the pollen is no problem. There's no problem. We encounter many uh, thousands of antigens in our life, mm. and um, it's really about trying to get our body to 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 not freak out when we encounter these things, um, and
0: uh, yeah, something has happened in the body to. Uh, to make it confusing for the immune system, what is friend and what is foe. So pollen is a a non-life-threatening antigen, but something has happened in me, but maybe not in someone else, whereby my immune system thinks pollen is something that it needs to react to.
1: Yeah, although I will say that um, all of us will respond to any sort of external antigen that comes our way. The key here is that what we want to be looking at is um, why are we not able to metabolise that histamine? Because I think it gets a bit confusing with the terminology with histamine, because we often talk about histamine um, intolerance, but it's not no one's histamine intolerant. It's just how much histamine can we handle? If we imagine Mm -hmm. we're filling up a bucket, right? And and the holes in the bottom are the like histamine enzymes that break down histamine, and mm-hmm. it's really about what is the threshold because all of us all of us can tolerate histamine; it's no problem. But histamine should be one of these things that comes in, um, opens up the floodgates for the other immune cells to go. Guys, get in here! We something's come this way. Close the doors and then kick the. Uh, kick the guys out really and that's and Mm -hmm. that's really what that's really what histamine is about it is the initial fire alarm um it is like the kid in school who sees a fight and goes everyone come look at this but really we need to be making sure that that doesn't that doesn't happen so um my primary uh focus with histamine is really working on those enzymes that are metabolizing histamine Mm -hmm. and there's two of those which and um so one of them is DAO, diamine oxidase, and the other one is HNMT. But DAO mm-hmm. is the primary, primary histamine metabolizer, and so, um, sort of coming back to our analogy about the guard dog, um, it's all very well the guard dog is barking at things. What we want to be thinking about is what's what is the trainer doing to the dog. And, right. and and that's kind of how I say to people is that and and the trainer is the enzyme. So how well is the trainer working? Are those enzymes functioning properly? Because those enzymes have very specific requirements, and mm-hmm. um, it's very easy for an enzyme to get uh, a bit upset and not have what it needs to work properly.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. interestingly, in my in my own histamine journey, I. So my histamine intolerance came into full force, uh, funnily enough, the year that I was living in a very mouldy, damp flat in Sydney. Mm,
1: Interesting. Um,
0: And histamine intolerance and mould do sort of go hand in hand, but that's a topic for another time. But for me, what was super interesting is that I could take... DAO and like you're saying there are two enzymes that degrade histamine I could take DAO which you can do in supplemental form and actually I think it's quite a good if you are someone that deals with histamine issues when you eat foods that contain very high levels of histamine you can try taking DAO and if things get better then you kind of know that that's your enzyme you need to work on or if they don't, then you're you're the other the other way. And I could take DAO and absolutely nothing happened. Interesting. So um, and, and that's the kind of slightly less, am I right in thinking it's kind of less common because DAO is the one that does most of the work, right?
1: Yes, that's the sort of primary metabolizer of histamine. Mm.
0: Yeah. And then there are certain factors that kind of influence, support, or hinder the action of those two enzymes.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think I think people underestimate how how many things can trigger like histamine. For example, um, estrogen will trigger the release of histamine. Mm-hmm. Um, it will also um, inhibit DAO from working properly. You know, this is why women um, every month will have a like a change in their feelings. Right. Because it's it, it plays a yep. key role there. And um, st- any stress is going to trigger histamine. Uh, histamine is loaded up and ready to go in all tissues of your body and it can have a and it can it can express is literally any symptom any symptom Mm. like bloating cramps fast heart rate anxiety you know it's it's there and and in the brain it has a you know a really profound effect um Mm. in the brain. but yeah, so coming back to your point about these enzymes, yeah, so like one of the ones I really um, focus on with DAO is that um, the central atom of DAO is copper. So it's so mm-hmm. important that we're getting enough dietary copper. Um, and especially at the moment, um, you have all these people taking a lot of zinc, high-dose zinc, and that is going to crash your, your copper stores, or ultimately, because mm-hmm. these two are competing with each other. So, um, there's a lot of things that can upset that delicate balance, but, um, it's, it can be really difficult with histamine because everyone's on a different level of sensitivity. Yeah. So some people, if they eat an avocado, it's going to be a code red that it's going to be, mm-hmm. that's going to be too much of their systems. And, you know, sadly, a lot of the foods that are going to be really great for getting those enzymes firing, for example, things like liver, which contain mm-hmm. loads of copper, um, it is, is uh, it's naturally high in histamine.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah. Just, on, just on the foods, um, I always found it. So I had kind of been on, you know, one diet after another diet after another diet for many years, FODMAP, you know, SIBO diets etc trying to figure stuff out and then when the histamine thing became an issue which I think it became an issue because um systemically my body was struggling right I have really low liver phase two chronically low methylation and I just wasn't clearing histamine But, and then you start looking into, okay, I need to try and eat a low histamine diet, not because that's how I need to eat forever, but because I'm just trying to take some of the pressure off. And you start looking into the foods that are high in histamine. I kid you not, it is all of the good foods. Yeah, avocados, everything. Bananas, dark chocolate, spinach. And I remember one evening, I. I just wasn't thinking when I was in the supermarket and I saw a bag of organic spinach. This is like years ago. And I thought, oh, great. Because I was just in a small corner shop and I was always looking for organic veg, but I knew there would be basically nothing organic in this shop. I saw this bag of spinach. I thought, oh, amazing. I'll get that. Cooked up like this meal with loads of spinach in. And then within 10 minutes, my skin was on fire. Wow. And I was thinking, why am I so itchy? Why am I like scratching all these like raised bumps on my skin? And I suddenly thought, just eating a load of spinach um so it can be the, the food element of it can be oh. really really profound but i think it's important for people to realize who already eat a low histamine diet because they've identified that they have a problem with tomatoes and avocados and spinach and foods that have been preserved and canned and pickled oh. that that is not the long-term solution the long-term solution is getting to the root cause of why is your body not handling that histamine very well and like you say working on the enzymes that help to break it down?
1: Yeah and I, and I think with histamine because, because it has such a profound effect on all areas of the body um, and it's involved you know, in our sleep and wake cycles, uh, it's involved in the like regulation of uh, neurotransmitters, we need to be approaching histamine um, from a very much a holistic perspective this is what mm. I've, you know, this is what um, some of the articles I did recently were saying that it's important to try and address each avenue or rather, um section of your body. So making sure that you have good gut, uh, you have good gut flora. Uh, that's going to be really important. And in fact, actually, um, I have a little bit of a story about that, because many years ago, before I was uh, really involved in the sort of biology of food, as it were, I remember I had a friend who had really bad... Um, I was actually working with him and he had really bad hay fever and I ended up um, giving him some um, like goats kefir and mm. it literally reduced his hay fever by like 50% and it was just by having Amazing. a tiny shot of it. Now, that's not to say that um, kefir is going to be the cure for hay fever, but it just goes to show that um, small like interventions like that and just maybe giving our body the right balance of bacteria can also have a profound effect on our mm. body's um, sort of histamine um, like tolerance. And yeah. th- that may have been from some of the minerals in there um, and so on and so forth. But um, I encourage, uh, especially my clients who have histamine problems, I really encourage them to sort of, I have to sort of see where they're at what is their level of sensitivity and really start building up slowly and getting their body, you know, getting those enzymes firing properly, making sure they're eating lots of nutrient density um, but for some people you might have to really reduce things down to like this quite restrictive diet for a period mm. of time, at least until their body is sort of synced up again, lowering mm. that, you know, lowering their stress, making sure they're sleeping well, just going back to some basics. Um, if they've taken antibiotics mm. recently, making sure that like, their microbiome is, um, is okay and it's nice and balanced and then getting into some more of the nuanced, uh,
0: sort of histamine-related mm. tactics, as it were. So let's, if people are listening and thinking, oh, I wonder if I have an issue with, with histamine, obviously histamine is, is really associated with, like, the itch, you know, the big itch. Mm. One of its major kind of signs and symptoms is itching skin or, like, with hay fever, um, you know, watery, itchy eyes, and sinuses, but also things like, um, you know, when you have kind of spontaneous skin rashes and things like that, Apart from that kind of very physical manifestation, in terms of um, symptoms, if we can kind of be that, you know, um, narrow minded, what would you be saying for someone with kind of histamine intolerance uh, in in air quotes? What kind of symptoms would we be looking at? What's the symptom picture? I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, kind of like brain health and brain fog and things like that already.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I think the um, classic ones are going to be the sort of itchy skin, um, even coughing, but it could be things relating to their gastrointestinal tract, right? Because we have uh, what's known as the sort of H2 receptors uh, in our gastrointestinal Mm -hmm. tract. Uh, We need histamine for making or rather releasing gastric acid. So you might get, uh, it might be related to SIBO or constipation or, or, or bloating, flatulence or, um, or headaches, um, insomnia uh, and this is really a giant pool of symptoms and it's probably not probably not that helpful to list um, sort of all of these things but I try and get people just to realise that or at least understand that histamine can have an effect on any, any sort of system in the body because these mast cells are loaded up and ready to go. And um, it can be very difficult initially when you're having these symptoms, which could be connected to any other sort of pathology to really Mm. narrow it down and say, is it histamine? And it takes a lot of um, sort of self-experimentation to sort of figure out, okay, let me try eating some high histamine foods. What, you know, like, do I have hay fever? How bad is my hay fever? But Mm. I think anyone who's going, anyone who's going through things like, brain fog, uh, you know, red or like red eyes or like ruddy nose and things like that, then they need to be thinking, like, right, what is happening with my histamine levels? What is happening with those enzymes? And just ideally working with a good practitioner.
0: So let's talk about antihistamines. Would you ever um, use, so say you had a client that you suspected someone that's like really not dealing with histamine very well. Firstly, how do antihistamines work? And secondly, can we use them almost like um, to uh, as a sort of test? So say to someone, right, take them for seven days. If you feel drastically better, then we kind of know what we're working with. Like histamine is an issue.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, actually. And um, I mean, first of all, I'll say that how histamine um, or rather how antihistamines work is that they compete and bind for those H1 receptors so that when histamine gets released from the mast cell it uh, it like reaches the cell surface and it can't it's there's only so many sites that it can bind to mm. and therefore that lowers the um, inflammatory cascade because that is what histamine's doing it is mm. it's involved in vasodilation it opens up the gate so that the other troops can come in so that's what and- yeah
0: and just quickly on that uh, as do you suffer with hay fever Matt, or not
1: no i used to have i used to have quite bad allergies uh, to my cats and then suddenly i just woke up one morning and it disappeared so okay. i feel well, like i just great. i i just got like acclimatized to it
0: um because so there's this sort of thing within the hay fever suffering community of which i am front and center um that you know if you don't wake up so some people say you've got to take your antihistamines at night time, right? So that when you wake up, you're already protected. Because what tends to happen in hay fever season is you wake up and for like maybe five to ten minutes, you're fine. Mm. And then all the symptoms hit. And if you don't get the antihistamines in early enough during the day, it doesn't matter if you're taking 180 um, milligrams of vexafenadine at midday, if you haven't taken it first thing, it's almost like it doesn't have an effect whatsoever. And is that because if the, if the histamine is already bound to that H1 receptor and then you take an antihistamine, the antihistamine, it's not able to kind of get on and, and compete for that site?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, that, that, that will be partially what's happening, right? And that's why um, many people like to take it a little bit before season starts mm. um and so on and so forth um the uh, the sort of second generation of antihistamines which we have now um like tend to have quite a long half-life so if i take them the mm. like night before they stay in the system the um first generation of antihistamines uh, were very they had a they're quite a strong sort of sedative effect um yes they uh, they've sort of readily crossed the, bre- the uh, blood brain barrier um and actually, because of like, histamine's role in the brain, that's why a lot of the early research around histamine was involved in things like schizophrenia, and those those first class of drugs sort of fell in the same line as things like antipsychotics and all these sort of things. Because histamine mm. is very histamine is very much a stimulating chemical. It's not. It's not involved in the calming down. But yeah, coming back to your point, um, timing can be really important with um, with taking your antihistamines, and I know that I know for some people if they. Forget to take them, then then suddenly they find themselves in a world of hurt, um, mm. and the thing is, it's a really tough one because I know for those who are suffering with a really bad hay fever, and I have friends who are just their whole faces are like screwed up. They walk out mm. them and it's just really bad. Um, I'm not going to say to them, look, you sh- you shouldn't take antihistamines, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, because I don't I don't think antihistamines are by any means the worst drug you can take, I would say they're like fairly low down. Um, and there is there is there there is always going to be a place for them when those symptoms do get very extreme. Mm. But I think it's just encouraging clients to kind of uh, try and expand their thinking a bit more beyond that and try and get them thinking about how they can hopefully move past taking them. Right, So trying to get their system sort of rejigged again. Yes, yeah, so I try to encourage clients to think a bit more beyond those antihistamines and try and get them thinking about what um, what, what things they can do to try and make sure that those enzymes they have are, are working properly. Because I say to people, we all have the tools to metabolise histamine. It's just that those enzymes have very specific requirements and we need to make sure that they have all the nutrients they need to work. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, I think histamine intolerance or rather how much you can tolerate is something that is, uh, it can really take a while to sort of rejiggle. And I know it can be frustrating for some people when they don't get the sort of response they want very quickly because, uh, as you say, all of the best foods are are high in histamine. Mm. All of the good stuff.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh,
1: things. So, that, yeah, so that can be really hard.
0: Yeah, I certainly found that for me it took about a year to actually regain some tolerance to histamine. And I remember, um, you know, the day where I could eat tomatoes again without my body immediately becoming incredibly itchy was just momentous. And for me, it was... Actually just reducing the pressure systemically. So, you know, being consistent with diet, um, reducing stress was a huge one for me. Just, I think when you've been chronically sick for so many years, even if you don't feel stressed on a daily basis by like work or emails or whatever, you have this, um, and I'm sure so many people listening will will uh, relate to this, you have this constant internal dialogue on in your head of, oh, maybe if I do this, I'll get better. And then, you know, why is this happening to me? You know, I'm trying maybe if I try this, things will get better. Like it's it's so draining feeling rubbish all the time. So actually that mental stress and for me becoming a little bit more positive about my thought patterns was huge, like starting to think my body can heal, you know, I, I am calm, I'm not stressed, I'm happy, etc. was a r- real turning point with regards to the histamine response. Because as you're saying earlier, it's really bound up with the stress response too. Um, and one thing I wanted to touch on is obviously we've talked a lot about how if people are dealing with these histamine symptoms, like they have, f- for me, it was as well my eczema was getting a lot worse. My eyes were, were completely swollen. I'd have like one eye that was just huge, these little raised bumps on my skin, like whatever the symptoms are that you're having, brain fog, fatigue, terrible hay fever, allergies, etc. We've spoken a lot about how there are these two enzymes that are really important to degrade that histamine once it's been released. One is DAO and the other was, I really should know this, but i can't remember HM yes
1: HNMT I think histamine methyl transphase or something
0: like that HNMT that's the one I'm a terrible nutritional therapist (laughs) Um, but let's talk about what things support those enzymes like I know you said copper and what things um, are kind of like contraindications to them working well because I think I've seen a like uh, you know a pathway diagram where Am I right in thinking that caffeine is one of the things that's a bit of a contraindication to um, one of those enzyme pathways?
1: Um, I think it might be. I haven't dug into uh, exactly how caffeine might do that, but um, you're probably right on one level.
0: Because I remember seeing it. I remember seeing it and thinking, that makes so much sense because when I drink caffeine, my histamine would get worse.
1: Yeah. Well, if you think about it, caffeine... um, especially on an empty stomach triggers, um, our, our sort of catecholamine hormones, our stress hormones. So we have cortisol and adrenaline and, um, stress hormones will elicit more histamine. Mm. So that's, so again, if I'm, if I'm sort of putting my body in a, or if I'm eating things that are um, exacerbating that fight or flight response, then again, I'm, I'm I'm making sure that DAO that DAO has a lot of work to do so mm. that that's going to have an antagonistic effect
0: So would sugar also fall into that category then excess sugar in the diet
1: I mean again excess sugar is going to be another stress for the body right it's going to it's if you have if you have too much of it and it's not and it's not being balanced uh, I'm going to have uh, it's going to deregulate my system and that's going to be a stress and that's going to trigger slightly more histamine Mm. so I think all of these it's just I I try and get people to think more broadly about any form of stress is going to have an effect here Mm. and this is why I think it's so good what you said about really make get sort of getting those fundamentals right lowering all of your stress and also just trusting in your body a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, I think so often like we say we get into this uh, mindset where we think why is this happening to me? Um, and it can feel like this vicious circle. You're just going round, sort of chasing your tail. Um, so, so again, we wanna we wanna reduce all stress um, when it comes to dealing with histamine. And of course, you mentioned um, earlier earlier on about uh, mold. That's another stress for the body. The body mm-hmm. has to deal with that. It has to metabolize those molds Mm -hmm. um and all of these things are gonna are gonna ping up our histamine receptors they're gonna be ready to go
0: Mm. i think that analogy of the bucket is just so useful because you know every if you imagine like inside you have a bucket every day we're chucking stuff into that bucket and a lot of stuff is supposed to be there like um you know metabolites from when we break down our food for example or the end product of you know um, cellular energy production whatever it is but then a lot of stuff we put in that bucket is not supposed to be there like environmental toxins or um, you know stuff we're slathering on our skin and our hair or contaminants coming in by our food and all of those or alcohol smoking etc like all of these things are just quietly filling up the bucket so if you are someone and you, you probably won't really know and you, you might have a sense because you might just be quite fatigued but if you're someone like I clearly am or, or was, where you're living at quite a dangerous level of, of fullness for your bucket, yeah. it really can only take one tiny thing, like just being exposed to a water-damaged building or going through quite a stressful relationship struggle or a divorce or you know, some traumatic event, to actually just fill that bucket too high and then it's when things overflow that then it it's really hard to to get that level back down again and that's when then histamine comes in and it's you know like we were saying it's it's never going to be necessarily like a root cause issue it's generally or I certainly see in, in clinic it's like um it's kind of a symptom of something else so you're having issues with histamine you're noticing that when you eat high histamine foods like dark chocolate or caffeine or bananas etc you're you're feeling worse it's about looking around at all those other aspects of your health and digging around to see what is it that's putting the pressure on that the level of that bucket basically
1: yeah exactly and
0: uh I think I've just explained it really well Matt
1: Yes, I, I would say I would say that is spot on. And really, everyone has something which is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. Without fail, when someone's health takes a turn for the worst, there has been something which has just been the final nail in the coffin. And then everything is just spilled over. Because your body is really just one giant recycling centre. It is the most efficient recycling centre ever. And... Um, eventually it's recycling capabilities just get sort of worn down and when stuff isn't being recycled it just piles up and, and and that is the problem and um again because histamine is involved in so many processes and it's you know probably one of the most complicated uh, hormones and neurotransmitters we know of there's still so much we don't know about histamine um mm. and so uh there's still a lot to learn about this topic. And, um, and, and we haven't even spoken about the other side of things, which is that some people obviously have, um, I mean, there is the sort of rare condition, which is called mastocytosis, I think, which is very rare, which is where you just produce a, like a, a really excess amount. Um, but some people will have um, these genetic polymorphisms for uh, whereby their, their DAO enzyme doesn't function as properly um but I try not to get people too hooked on the the genetic side I think that can be a bit of a how shall I say this a bit of a label that we might attach to ourselves and say well this is it I'm I'm doomed you know Mm -hmm. we know that genes can be switched on and off this is the epigenetics I try and get people just focusing on the biology of what these enzymes need to function optimally Mm -hmm. Um, but it's very easy to be sort of tipped out of balance in this sense and I just think With something as broad as histamine, you must approach it from some of these really fundamental health aspects. lowering your stress, getting good quality sleep, Uh, maybe cutting out some of those really high histamine foods a little bit. Um, Maybe even even considering your cooking aspects, Uh, you know, frying can actually raise um, histamine a little bit. So maybe gently steaming your food or uh, these are just like little tips and tricks you can use depending mm. on the severity of the um, of the symptoms.
0: Mm. And I'm, I'm really putting you on the spot here, Matt, because it's something that I should have looked up before and I'm really struggling to remember this diagram in my head. But in terms of I just want to circle back to this question, I think maybe to end on in terms of key nutrients or minerals or micro minerals, etc., that support that the two enzymes that break down histamine, what are we looking at?
1: Well, number one is definitely copper, without a doubt. That is the central atom of DAO. Um,
0: and where can people uh, get copper from in their diets?
1: Well, the, the best form of copper is always going to be from liver.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because in liver, we also have uh, preformed vitamin A, retinol, mm-hmm. which helps copper to do its magic. So that's really important. So liver is going to be best. But you can also get copper from things like you get a little bit in uh, like various berries and fruits. So vitamin C sources, you'll get some in things like shiitake mushrooms. But again, this is the catch 22 because a lot of people with very severe histamine issues, they're like, there's no way I could eat something like that. Yeah. So it might be just starting very small. You can buy desiccated liver capsules. That can be something to try just to maybe start you out and sort of build up from there. I know that liver is quite an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. It's not something everyone likes to eat. But um, and ag- and uh, and then again, just thinking about some of these uh, nutrients that are involved in methylation. Because once DAO has initially metabolized histamine, um, it, that that compound needs to be methylated before it can be excreted. So we want to make sure, and and that's why B twelve uh, and uh, folate can improve. Um, the ability of DAO to work
0: mm-hmm. yeah and also magnesium for methylation is really important yeah, so important Sammy so
1: many people yeah Sammy that's um that methyl donor is so important for for histamine metabolism mm.
0: that's super interesting because I have really really low methylation always have done um and uh you know no shit Sherlock I also had A huge histamine issue and still do to an extent because I have hay fever. So I actually take every day, I take magnesium, a B complex and SAMe as supplements, because I think actually for me, it's like, it's genetic. So I probably have to stay on those forever. Um, so that's really interesting. I think, um, just in terms of key takeaways for, for people listening, you know they're not going to know necessarily what SAM-E is unless we've got other nutritional therapists listening to this podcast but generally I tend to have an audience of people who are just kind of interested in health stuff so I want to make it really accessible to them um so I I'll sort of sum up and you can say like yes yes no or grace that's completely wrong um histamine intolerance if you're suffering any kind of really itchy um hay fevery allergy type symptoms might be worth looking into. Similarly, if you find you um, get brain fog and fatigue, um, or if you react to foods that contain lots of histamine, and have a quick Google, there's lots of lists on the internet. Um, and then it's kind of looking at um, supporting the body holistically. Uh, supporting the functioning of those enzymes with good nutrition, and from what you said, if you are on a plant-based or vegan diet, it's going to be difficult to get that preformed vitamin A in conjunction with copper, in conjunction with vitamin B twelve, which we know is, is 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 non-existent on a vegan diet unless you're supplementing. So that is also a consideration. Um, and then just you know chilling the hell out and kind of just riding riding the wave, I think, um, and just t- reducing that body burden. Think about that analogy of the bucket and um, see where you get to.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with all of those things. And just remembering that histamine isn't the ultimate bad guy. We would be in terrible shape without histamine. It's so important for so many functions. It is there to protect us. It is there to like regulate our sleep cycles, our neurotransmitters um so we don't want to make it this terrible person we Mm. want to just we just want to make sure that
0: just needs to be understood
1: it just needs to be it it needs to be like your dog just nice and calm and (laughs) smiley faced and we just need to make sure that it doesn't turn into a chihuahua
0: <laughs> yeah totally okay Matt we are we're gonna have another quick conversation now about iron so um if you're listening to this and uh, iron and anemia and understanding iron in the diet and actually uh iron metabolism is something that you might be interested in then do stay around for the next episode but Matt thank you so much for chatting to us today um and if people would like to find you on social or anywhere else where do they go
1: yeah, so I obviously write these little short articles on my Instagram. So you can just um, just literally type my name. It's just Matt Jarosy. I have a few longer articles on my website and you'll see the links to my supplement company on there as well.
0: Brilliant. Thanks so much. Cheers, Grace. Thank you so much again for tuning in to State of Mind. I can't wait to be back next week with another episode. As ever, if you enjoyed the podcast, please do spread the love, share the word, all the things, and I'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.